Welcome to Uncommon Real Estate, where it's all about finding creative solutions for real estate agents and investors. In exclusive mastermind conversations with some of the brightest minds in real estate, you'll learn how to earn an extra six figures a year. Don't follow the herd. Be uncommon. Here are your hosts, multi-millionaire real estate agent and investor, Chris Craddock and Jeff Safright. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Uncommon Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Chris Craddock, and I am so pumped to uh, spend some time with our friend, Dwan, who is going to help us um, understand how to win in this market. I'll tell you what, wealth is when your money works harder than you work, and the problem with most agents is they're only getting paid on their next transaction. How can we become investors? How can we do things that we need to do um, so that we can win in this changing market. And so Dwan has been coaching for a long time. Her husband, I believe, was he a KW Maps coach forever? Was that what he was or a Mike Ferry coach? No, Mike Ferry. He was, he Mike, was Ferry a Mike coach. Ferry. Yeah, he's a Mike Ferry guy. Okay, perfect, perfect. Um, well, sounds good. Yeah, so um, we're going to get a lot of interesting information, both on the investor side and on the retail agent side today. So Dwan, please tell us a little bit about yourself. So, uh, hey, everybody, and Chris, thanks for having me on the show today. Uh, my name is Dwan Mint-Twyford. I'm America's Most Sought-After Real Estate Investor. Uh, I have a podcast, the most wonderful real estate podcast ever. <laughs> so I took Dwan and wonderful and made a new word. And I've been investing for 30 years. I've done over 2,000 deals. Currently working on a town. We're rehabbing a town. So that's kind of fun. That's new. Shit's Creek? Is that the uh, one? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I have to tell you, I started watching Shit's Creek a couple of years ago after we'd already bought some of these buildings. I was like, that is my life right there. <laughs> <laughs> that is my That's life awesome. right there. Now, we actually, my husband is from a little town called Clinton, Iowa. It's like right along the Mississippi River, you know, there in Iowa. And it's like one of those little towns that like literally time left it behind. And it's, you know, half the buildings are businesses and half are boarded up. And we keep going back to these reunions. I'm like, man, I need to do something with this town. So we just start talking to some people and found out they have a giant uh, rebeautification. They have a whole downtown partnership alliance and all this great stuff. So we thought we'd buy a building and then we bought a building and then now we have 20. Right. So That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, very cool. We didn't do anything small. Yeah, yeah. And Jeff, uh, Jeff Safright has joined us as well, one of our co-hosts. And so, Hi, Jeff. Jeff. Hey, Dwan. How are you? So Good. So the, the topic today is winning in a changing market. Do you mind speaking to that real quick? It, it is a crazy market that we're in, like, for sure. Everybody, I think, knows that. But it is about winning in the right market. And a lot of that comes from having good training and having good systems and being prepared and not having all your eggs into one single solitary basket. So then when things go crazy, you're, you know, you're not stuck or, or, you know, you're not just in one single thing and you, and the market kills you. Like the 2008 market, I mean, so many people lost everything that they had, but they, I think if people would have been a little more diverse, it wouldn't have been so bad for people. And I think people also yeah. need to recognize when markets are going bad or going like they are now, people are like, oh, it's not going to happen. It's not going to be that bad. And they kind of sort of live in this denial moment. 
but it's okay if it goes that bad. Just be prepared. I, I read Man's Search for Meaning um, earlier this year. And one of the things that I, I keep thinking about right now is as the market's going down, it's it's very easy to be optimistic and just say, oh, well, you know, we'll get better quickly. We'll get better quickly. And I, I keep thinking about what Victor Frankl said um, when he was, I believe it was in Auschwitz, um, where he said the ones that were saying, oh, we'll be out by Christmas, we'll be out by Christmas. They're the ones that that died almost right after Christmas. And I think about our goals and our dreams, right? Like, like oftentimes they will face a death. I mean, we've all been there where we've had dreams and then all of a sudden we die to our dreams. And, uh, you know, thinking through that, I, I feel like if we don't have a mental, uh, if we're not in the right mental headspace, you know, our, our dreams and goals will die. So with that said, you said not having all of your eggs in one basket. What do you mean by that? Well, I know, I'm sure you know, you as well. I know so many investors that just, only wholesale or they only do subject twos or they only rehab they don't know how to do anything else so then in a market maybe things change and maybe wholesaling you can't do it or maybe rehabbing like you know prices cost of goods has gone up a lot and something happens and if you only know like this one thing i feel like sometimes people sort of uh fail or get left behind because they are not able to adapt to markets that are changing so like for us, we have storage units, we wholesale houses, we have rentals, we have commercial buildings, we have single family homes. So, I mean, all of our eggs are in the real estate basket. I had some eggs in the crypto basket, but I don't know what happened. I just went like, eh. So <laughs> I think your basket if it ever comes back <laughs> up. But <laughs> that sort of crashed and burned on me. I was like, oh, it's okay. I still got it there. You know, I'm leaving it there like, you know, long term. But I feel like as in real estate, I just think people need to, to know what the different things. And as they get to the point where they're able to invest some money that they've made, maybe invest in a multiple different things, not just do this single thing or that. Because like, look at COVID, you know, people didn't have to pay rent. Right. Like, what are you doing if you're sitting there with your all your rentals mortgaged up to the eyeballs, you know? And so I feel like that people that are a little bit more prepared and have more diversity in their rental portfolio, they fare better during questionable times. Because right now it's like kind of questionable. Like, is it going to be bad? I don't really think so. But could it be bad? Sure. I don't know. I don't really feel like the sky is falling. But other people are like, oh, my God, real estate is terrible. It's like, I don't see it that way. All right. So you and your husband coach a ton of folks. Um, Give us a color by numbers, um, just straight up. Like what are like the direct, you know, obviously, you know, saying, okay, we need to, we need to diversify. We need to look at where we're, where we're spending our time uh, make mm -hmm. sure that we're, we're getting paid in multiple streams. Mm -hmm. um, but with that said, give us a color by numbers, like go do this. Like, like one of my uh, favorite quotes from a good friend of mine is give us instruction and not edu education for the next couple of minutes. <laughs> I like that. Well, I mean, if I was taking like someone, you know, fresh meat, like straight up, you know, straight up brand new real estate investor, I always tell people to wholesale first, just because wholesaling is, is easy. Uh, there's no big investment other than your time. You're not going to go bankrupt wholesaling a house. You get it under contract, you sell it to a rehab or a landlord. So I always like to have people start wholesaling just simply because it's the easy, it's easy. I mean, for me, it's like the easiest thing that there is to do. And then I tell people, you know, I guess step by step would be like wholesale a couple houses. And if you make, 
don't know, $100,000 a year is what you're earning, then wholesale houses and put $100,000 in the bank and then quit your job and then give yourself a paycheck every Friday. So life is the same for you. But now you have 40 hours a week to go do real estate. So the first thing is to replace your income. I think when people wholesale, they get a big check, 30, 40 grand. They try to pay off credit cards. They want to pay everything off. I'm like, no, don't do it that way. Save it. Get it enough to have a year's worth for, you know, the people that are super security minded. Cut yourself a check every Friday, just like nothing happened, except now you're not working over here. You're working for yourself for the next, you know, year. Get money. And when you get enough money together, buy a rental and I'll sell a couple more houses and maybe do a couple subject twos. And if you want to rehab, maybe throw in some rehabs that I kind of always have people do wholesaling as like the background money because it's the easiest way I, I believe to collect checks and then see what you like. Do you like multifamily? Do you like being a landlord? Do you want to own an apartment building? You know, I think you should find out what you like. So our audience is made up of real estate agents who I hope, they're either investors or starting to get into investing. So yeah. if somebody said, if you're saying, okay, wholesale, what is, what are the steps to start wholesale? Like give so, us the you know, steps. I, one of my partners is an agent and she is actually my son's wife's sister. So she's like a fresh new agent and she wants to also be an investor. So I find that with Felicia being trained as an agent, but then now working with me as an investor, she she's not sure where she's crossing lines. Like, can I talk to this homeowner? Can I not talk to that homeowner? I have fiduciary duties. And she's kind of having a, not a hard time, but she's just trying to figure out how to take that real estate agent hat and take that off and put on the real estate investor hat for a little while. But one of the things agents can do and, and you know, no investor, no investor can be successful without having a real estate an investor friendly real estate agent on their team. Because we have to do uh, listing agreements for short sales. You know, we find houses all the time that don't have enough equity to wholesale or rehab or anything. And then I give those over to my agents and say, you need to list this house, but we need to like make it a quick sale to help this homeowner because they don't have a lot of time before their foreclosure sale date is. So agents are really, they're like one of the most valuable members of an investor's team. And they have the ability to wear two hats if they can separate them. Yeah, so agent on over here when I need a listing agreement or I need a house sold, investor over here if we're going to wholesale it, rehab it or something. So I think that's a really great mix for someone to be agent slash investor because you can wear two separate hats. How how does an agent approach an investor to become that agent uh, or investor friendly agent? Well, so one of the main easiest ways around the country is to join a, a RIA group, you know, REIA, the Real Estate Investors Association. There's a million RIA groups, meetups, there's all kinds of things like that. So I always feel like attending some of those events and telling people like, hey, I'm, a, I'm an agent, but I specifically would like to work with investors. Because agents that work with like our agent, for example, they do like 100 deals a year with us between us and like our group here in Denver and they do a lot. And even like, you know, as an agent, for example, we bought three houses off of uh, the auction last year and we just bid on the auction directly, but it said, you have an agent. So we put our agent's name in there and they just got a check, like just out of the blue, like, Oh my God, I got $8,000 check. <laughs> so being an agent friendly, real estate agent and friendly to an investor is a, 
is a good partnership because as investors, unless we're just, I don't know, maybe just, we, we, we need agents for everything. If we're going to buy from the MLS, you know, we need an agent. If we're going to do short sales, we need an agent to list houses. I've got someone right now, she owes too much for me to wholesale or to rehab it or anything. So we're going to list it. So those agents could go to meetups, RIAs, different places like that. And just tell investors, like, I'm investor friendly. I will help you with listings. I'll help you with short sales. I'll help you with whatever it is that you need an agent for. Because you cannot be a real estate investor without having an, an agent on your team. You just can't do it. And you can't always be the investor and the agent. You really need another person. Like I need that other person on my team. So I, I think being, uh, I always, uh, I always sometimes rag real estate agents because they have, you know, we're going to show houses. Da, da, da. It's like, no, listen, get out of that. Come over to the investing side. <laughs> Stop shopping people around showing houses. Work with investors. There's so much more money and we need you. You know, again, in a bad market, you know, if you're looking for listings, if you're looking for opportunities, finding uh, finding these investors. I mean, I know that's one of the things that I love to teach is how the agent investor comes together, finding yeah. investors. I'm curious, what is the conversation saying, hi, I'm investor friendly, but if you go to ARIA and somebody approaches you personally, what would the conversation be like to pique your interest and not make you say, oh, this guy was, uh, um, you know, I, I don't, you know, this, this guy's just a big waste of my time. This girl's a waste yeah, of my no, time. No, no, like, that's a really good question because here's the thing. My agent needs to do things for me without charging me for it. It's like, okay, I need you to run some comps for me, or I need you to do whatever. Like they need to be able to do those things because there'll be other situations. Like, let's just say I'm doing a short sale. So I'm calling the bank. I'm trying to work out a short sale. And the bank says, well, we have to have a listing agreement. So if the bank requires a listing agreement, the bank will pay the real estate agent. So I'll have my agent do the listing agreement, put it in the MLS, they'll send it to the bank, they'll have them go back and market pending because I have a contract. And then the agent doesn't have to do anything at all for me. And they just will get a check when the house sells because the bank required uh, a listing. So they'll pay an agent something, one, two, three, six, whatever percent, they'll pay the agent something. So like I need people that will do things like that for me. And I say, oh, well, if I'm going to put it in the MLS, it has to be listed. It has to da, da, da. It's like, no, the bank wants a listing agreement as a condition to accept my short sale. So let's put it in the MLS. Let's get it listed and go back in and mark it pending because I'm trying to negotiate a short sale. It's like that would be a person that they said, hey, listen, I'll do your listing agreements. I'll run comps for you. If you're out of town, I can go look at a house and see if it's in a good condition if you're interested in it. Someone that would assist me and would work from the commission and not be like, oh, well, if I have to do this and that, you got to pay me this much money per hour because they make commission all over the place. I mean, my agents make commission on everything. If I buy something from the MLS, then I go back and list it. I'll list it with them. If I have to do a short sale, they'll get commission. If I buy from an auction, they don't even know I'm buying from an auction. I put them down as the agent. They just get checks in the mail. So I would want somebody who would want to help and run around a little bit with me or help me do things. I can't always do everything for the amount of commission that they would be making. Knowing that they'd make something, you know, a little bit of something. And sometimes they don't make anything on a deal. That's just part of them being on your team. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and you know, like, just like the auction guy, like we bought three houses at the auction. Well, one was a $500,000 house and I listed my agent and they sent him a check for 3%. He was like, what's this check? I'm like, well, we, 
bought a house. Like you do stuff for me all the time. And they said, do you have an agent? And they didn't change my price. So I said, yes. And they got a check in the mail. Scott was like, oh my God. So, oh, there you go. That's why you want to work Very with cool. <laughs> so, That's a big check. So as a... <clears throat> I mean, as a as an investor right now, with with the market changing, I know you said that if if you're a younger agent, you would focus on wholesaling, or if you're a younger investor, you'd focus on the wholesaling. Like, where do you see your opportunity right now as a as a more seasoned investor or real estate professional? Um, where do you see your opportunity in this in the shifting market? You know, it's interesting because I've been out with my team uh, going, I've been out door knocking the last month, which I haven't done for a really long time. I thought, you know, I've been to door knock and like see what's actually out there, what's, what's really happening in the homeowner's world, not what you hear on the news or what other people tell you or whatever. So one of the things I'm finding is that most, many of the people that did those um, forbearance agreements never got back on track. So I've met four or five homeowners that are like 20 to 27 payments behind, like a shocking amount of payments behind. So I feel like as an investor, for some of those people, the only option is going to be to do a short sale. You know, we work at the bank and get the bank to take like half of what's owed against the house is to do a short sale and then either wholesale it or maybe buy it and rehab it or maybe keep it for a long term. So I have met most of the people I've met in the last 30 days are 24 payments behind. So to bring up 24 payments to maybe keep it as a subject two is not something I would be interested in. Uh, we wholesaled one and we made $40,000 on that one. So that was really great. Um, we're doing a high equity, which is someone that had a lot of equity and we're actually working with the homeowner and we did a small, slight rehab and then we're gonna sell it and split the equity. So we're doing a little bit of everything right now. I don't think there's one specific thing. So we're doing some equity partnering. We're not doing any rehabs right now. Um, other than, you know, my 20 buildings <laughs> that I'm forever going to be rehabbing because they're old. <laughs> and we've done some wholesaling and I'm trying to do some subject choose, but everybody has, they're, they're behind too many payments for me to want to bring those payments current. So when you talk about, um, potentially wholesaling uh, short sales. Walk uh -huh. us through that for, for the agent that, or for the person that may not quite understand how, because if I'm short selling, like I'm working with a bank, how am I also wholesaling? So that's a good question. So short sales, I don't know if you guys know this, but I actually trademarked short sales back in like the 90s. I have a, I have a registered trademark on the term short sales as it applies to real estate investing from the actual short sale queen. So if you're working with maybe- you get paid three cents every time someone mentions yeah. so No, no, but I get to say I'm the short sale queen. Ah, so basically, if I was taking a, maybe a $400,000 house and they owe four hundred dollars because they're behind payments and they didn't make payments since the beginning of COVID and whatever, and I'm working with the bank and I get the bank to take, my goal is always to get the bank to take half. So if I get the bank to take two hundred. dollars I am actually going to have to close on that deal because the bank's not going to let you assign it or flip it or anything and make profit because if there's any money there, they want it. So yeah. I'm going to have to close on it or use my own money or use some transactional lending or whatever I need to do. But I could close that $400,000 house. I could close on it for $200,000. And I could turn around and wholesale it to somebody else for maybe $250,000 and let them rehab it or keep it as a rental or something like that. 
that if you're going to try and and wholesale something that you shorted, you have to. So people have to understand that short sales on exit strategy. Mm -hmm. So you get the bank to take less and I say, okay, you have 30 days to close. You have to take it off the books of the bank. So you do have to close on it yourself or with whoever lends you your money. And then you can keep it, live in it. I mean, the house that we live in up in the mountains, we bought it in foreclosure and we fixed it up and we live in it. And we even paid for it, like 200000 or something like that. And we added on and made it bigger. And now it's worth like $1.2 million. So, so, um, so it, was, it was a good deal. Uh, or again, if you're shorting it, paying for it, you can wholesale it to a rehabber, a landlord. Landlords pay more. So anytime a house is in good shape, I always like to sell to landlords because they'll pay a few percent higher than a, a rehabber will. Rehabbers are getting a little bit tighter right now because everything costs so much money. Yeah, a couple rehabbers like beat me down, like beat me down like twenty grand because they had all these. This what everything costs. Well, I know what everything costs, but things cost a lot more. So the last two people like beat me up a little bit. Yeah, I then. So you know, one of the things that I would say, I, I know that cost is up, but it's actually coming back down. Um, but just like anything, right? You know, once they know you're going to pay X amount for something, they're not going to take anything less um you know I that's hope- not true like plywood was like 19 dollars or something then during covid it was like 90 and now they're bringing it down but it's still more than it was yeah it so it, it's, it looks down but it's not what it was just two years ago right but if you if you're looking at futures and different things it, it, it is it is normalizing again so i've had some good luck and i you know recently this is just for everybody like have I have three or four different contractors in my pocket because I love my contractors. But if I find myself only sticking to one contractor, they their rates creep up and, and things happen. So you got to keep them on their toes or you yeah, got to yeah. cycle through. Uh, I've found better luck in having a handful of contractors and and they know they're competing against each other. Now, they don't know yeah. each other, but um, they know that they're competing with a couple others, um, which is great because it allows the the seller or it allows me to be able to, to really compare and, and, and keep them a little bit more honest. I agree. Um, I have yeah. two real estate agents, both investor friendly. I use them both, but I don't want to use just only one because if that one decides to quit or they don't want to do it or they don't want to do anything, I have to find another one. Absolutely. And once you get them trained, like once you get them trained, they're like, okay, this is how Dwan works. It's like, oh, I don't want to start over. <laughs> Yes, yes. And my title company, I have two. I have one I use 90% of the time, but I have a second one. So in case this one over here starts getting too busy or too whatever, I've got a backup. So I always have everything except for my husband. I have a backup for everything except for my husband. I'm not allowed to have a backup. He doesn't let me date or anything. <laughs> I mean, it might keep him on his toes, but no, I don't. Yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah, but... no, no backups when it comes to the husband. So for everything else, yeah. I, and that is a good idea, Jeff, because if you have only one contractor and that's all you have and they're doing stuff for you and then they find somebody else like, hey, I'm going to do a side job over here. The next thing you know, they're not just working for you. And if they are only working for you, you have to keep them busy. Yes. So if you go two weeks without a house, they're not going to go two weeks without getting paid. Yep. They've got to go someplace else. So I've always had at least two or three contractors. Because if you have like just one, you have to really be on your game. And every time a deal house closes, you got to have another one ready. And if you have three or four with one contractor, they're spread so thin, it takes too long to get stuff fixed. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Don, we are at the top of the hour here. So, uh, you know, we, we're kind of a little bit, we just kind of did a, you know, a bit of a choose your own adventure all over the map a little bit here. Lots of great <laughs> stuff, obviously highlighting, you know, your knowledge and, and expertise when it comes to both the real estate world and the real estate investor world here. So uh, how can people get in touch with you if they like, if they like your energy, which I'm sure they did, if they, you know, obviously you got lots of experience. You, we all know now that you're the short sell queen. Um, so how can people get in touch with you to, um, you know, to learn more about what you're doing in the systems processes, anything else that you got going? It's so easy. If they'll just type in Dwanderful, Dwanderful.com, the Dwan, D-W-A-N-D-E-R-F-U-L, Dwan and Wonderful, Dwanderful.com is my website. I'm on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube. If it's there, I'm there. Awesome. Very cool. They go there and they opt in, they'll get four free ebooks. Four free ebooks. Yes. Perfect. Awesome. Awesome. Well, make sure you go there, dwonderful.com, get your four free ebooks and uh, and connect with her. She obviously knows what she's doing, been in it for a good while as well. Um, and uh, I lost my train of thought because I was going to make it, I was going to reference the 90s uh, short sell again, but whatever. <laughs> I started um, investing. I've been, don't tell anybody, I've been investing for 33 years. That's like, awesome. still, I don't know why I'm still 39, but I've been investing for 33 years. I'm 63 years old. I've been investing since before there was electricity. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> the one thing that I would say, everybody, is, you know, the, the one thing that I really took from, from Juan is earlier, I, I don't remember, Chris asked something about the shifting market and it was just like, oh, it's, I mean, it's just the market, you know, once you've been in the game for long enough, it, it, it is what it is, right? So you just, you just kind of, you, you just stay focused, refocus, shift yep. a little bit if you got to, but, um, you know, there's always deals to be made. And when you've been in the game long enough, you know that. And so you don't get anxious, you don't lose your nerves, because once you do, that's when you start sliding and that's when you find yourself in a hole. So uh, definitely, I love your confidence. I love, you know, just you're tried and true, love your energy. So um, again, Duan, thanks for that. Everyone else, this does conclude another episode of uh, Your Uncommon Lunchbox with your host, Chris Craddock, myself, Jeff Safright. Hey, wherever you're listening to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, you know where you're at. Go there, give us an honest review, one star, three star, five star. We'll even take a two or four. Just give us some feedback. Let us know topics that you want to hear, people you want us to have on the show, any questions that you might have. We would love to, we're, we're here for you to help you to up your game, to level up and, and to continue crushing it no matter what the market is. So uh, this again concludes another episode of your Uncommon Lunchbox. We'll be back on next week. Looking forward to it. Until then. Have a great weekend. Continue crushing it. Talk soon. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Uncommon Real Estate. Subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date with the latest mastermind conversations from Chris, Jeff, and other uncommon real estate industry leaders. If you love this podcast, please write us a review. And to fast track your real estate career, go to chriscraddock.com.